Before we start the show today, I have to let you know about a few amazing Black Friday deals that are available to our listeners. So first of all, we have a special Black Friday offer on Cold Wax Academy, which is running now through Sunday. And you can get a free starter kit with the purchase of a full membership or half off the price of a starter kit for becoming a core member. Those starter kits normally cost $399, so this is an incredible value and a great way to begin your membership with having all the supplies you need on hand. Please visit the Cold Wax Academy website for details. That's coldwaxacademy.com. Once again, coldwaxacademy.com. I also want to remind everyone who's going to be doing their Black Friday through Cyber Monday shopping on Blick to please use our affiliate link. That's MessyStudioPodcast.com slash Blick. And when you use that affiliate link, it just goes to the regular Blick website. But when you go through our affiliate link, Blick will donate 10% of your purchase to the Messy Studio Podcast. It's a great way to support the show that doesn't cost you anything, and it's completely effortless. Just bookmark MessyStudioPodcast.com slash Blick, and then you never have to think about it again. But I did check on Black Friday deals on Blick to see what they're offering, and they are offering 65% off list price for a limited time on imperfect Utrecht Artist Oils. So these are the artist quality paints. They do also have a similar offer on the Studio Series oils, but we do recommend buying the professional quality paint for your paintings. And these are the imperfect oils. So what what that means basically is that you'll get a tube that has a little dent in it or something. Come on, you're going to smash the crap out of that tube as soon as you get it into your studio anyway. This is a great way to get some high quality oil paint at a discount price. So once again, to take advantage of that offer, you're going to go to MessyStudioPodcast.com slash Blick, click on Black Friday Deals, scroll all the way down to the bottom where it says More Deals, and you'll see that offer. And also, don't forget to get that Cold Wax Academy membership and get that starter kit for free with the purchase of a full membership or half price for becoming a core member. And that one's at ColdWaxAcademy.com. All right, enough plugs, on with the show. Hello and welcome to The Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, entrepreneurship philosophy, and life in general. I am Ross Tickner, Rebecca's audio producer, podcast guru, and her son. On on today's episode, we have an interview with Lori Rosenwald. Many of us live lives based on habit and predictability. We aim for expected results and generally avoid uncertainty and disruption. But our guest today, Lori Rosenwald, challenges us to steer away from the tried and true in order to bring freshness and spontaneity to our lives and work. Lori is a New York City-based illustrator, artist, designer, and book creator, whose work is a mix of collage, drawing, painting, and storytelling. In addition to her many editorial illustrations for a wide variety of publications, Lori has created animation, product design, and leads an ongoing workshop, How to Make Mistakes on Purpose. Welcome to the show. Hi, Lori. Hi there. <laughs> so um, I'm going to say that uh, we were acquaintances in high school many years ago. And um, even back then, and, and I'm thinking now from 50 years later, <laughs> can we say that? Oh, my God. Um, you always struck me as somebody who was leading life on her own terms. You just had this unapologetic individuality about you. Um, and that's what I remember of you. And and so all these years later, to reconnect and find that, you know, this is what you're doing, talking about these subjects is so interesting. Um, and it seems to me that probably always had this aspect of your personality then. 
Is that true? Yeah, absolutely true. Um, and I turned what is definitely a disadvantage into my sort of thing, my persona and, and the, the book and the workshop and it, all of it is um, uh, an expression of, you might say, rabid individuality that I've always um, been able to express. I really didn't have much of a choice. Uh, what happened was uh, I had two very uh, inappropriate parents. My mother was a very, very sick manic depressive. Mm -hmm. um, my father was an alcoholic. They divorced when I was three. I lived alone with my manic depressive mo mother from the age of three to 13. And then I went to Solbury. I went to boarding Where school. We met. Fantastic yeah. because I went from living with this nut job alone to being with 200 kids my own age in the woods. And it was paradise. I just loved it. And I don't have brothers and sisters. So it's with just me and her for most of my childhood, or all of my childhood, really. And um, because of that, it was so, my, my childhood was sort of a do-it-yourself situation. There was yeah. nobody telling me what to do when there probably should have been. And I made my own decisions from ever since I can remember. And uh, I think I probably had my mother wrapped around my little finger. And that's not a good thing, but I yeah. made it into my, you know, I couldn't help it. That's, I, I had to take responsibility for myself from the very beginning. Yeah, kind of take control of the situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so... At this point in your life, you have taken these different threads of, of your growing up and your other things that you've done as an adult. You've been an illustrator, um, art, you make art, all these things, and channeled at least the thing that we're talking about now is this book that you've written and some workshops that you conduct. Um, and just bringing this, uh, your personality to that, um, I would... I would guess that you work with some people in the workshops who have much more conventional personalities than you do. Um, and I'm wondering um, how that, I don't know if you could just talk a little bit about some of the experiences in the workshop or what are the workshops like that you teach? Well, the, that was a whole lot of questions rolled into one, but I'll start with saying that I yes, don't it was. I was rambling. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I can do it. Um, uh, no, I would just say that there's nobody with a conventional personality. I think ah. that people might have a more conventional lifestyle. Um, you know, they may be more family oriented. Um, they might be more, um, you know, have a nine to five job. But those are things are outside things. I don't think anybody has a conventional personality, but they might have a more conventional way of life. Um, and I think most people probably do. And I think I've traveled a lot more and been a lot more independent from an earlier age than a lot of people. But, um, you know, I don't I don't I think and I think that that has affected my personality, which is a lot more. Um, how could you say this? Uh, a lot more out there, a lot more. Um, I'm, I'm not afraid of what other people think very much because I've already been a weirdo always. And um, I knew that people thought I was a weirdo and, uh, and I've always felt like an outsider. And so I've kind of made the most of it. I have a quote in my book 
uh, from John Waters. I don't have the exact quote. Well, I actually have the book here. I could probably find it. But um, he says something like, you know, I admire people that, that realize that you could be crazy and different and weird and still have a good, happy life or something like that. that yeah, they, I remember reading that. I, I identified with that. Um, yeah. And the second part is you said, what is the workshop like, right? Yeah, so I'm just wondering how you how you connect, how you get people to kind of come out of themselves in the workshop. Uh, I know you do a lot of- I can answer I, that very easily. There's yeah. no time to be in yourself or, or uh, okay. it's a way to, I hate the expression. I hate any expressions like words like awesome that people use a lot. So yeah. people use the word thinking outside the box. I hate that. I hate the word awesome. I hate LOL. Uh, I hate <laughs> a lot of things. <laughs> but one of the things I also hate is to get out of your own way but there's no better way to express what happens mm -hmm. in the workshop. And we do it in a very simple, practical way, which is um, we, I use speed, not the drug, but the <laughs> idea of we basically what happens without being very specific is I get a bunch of people in a room or on Zoom. The workshops happen equally well uh, virtually. And I've done quite a few lately um, that way. Uh, I prefer to do them live, but it works. Anyway, I get a bunch of people together. I create chaos. And then after we create a bunch of stuff in that chaos place, and then I say, oh, what could this be that we did? What could, what could these things that we made, what could they be? Um, and I always talk about the guy that invented Velcro. George de Maistral went walking in the woods. He got burrs, you know, little plants. Stuff yeah, like that's that. a good story. Right, and then he invented Velcro. But what he didn't do was sit in a perfect white laboratory and say, you know, what this world needs is a new way to stick stuff together and I'm gonna be creative now and invent that. No, that's problem solving. So we don't do problem solving, which is problem solving is important and everybody does it every day and so do I and so do you and that's how it should be. But for one day, for a few hours or an hour, uh, what we do is we make stuff first and then we say, just like George de Mistral, the magic words are, oh, what could this be? Backwards, like we have a solution and then we try to figure out what it is. And rather than try to go from A to B, because when you go from A to B to C, you know what you're doing and um, you know where you're going. And I think that's great when you're 20. But when you're 30, 40, 50, 60, uh, you don't want to repeat those same processes uh, that give you predictable results your entire life because then you never discover anything new. So what the workshop does is it puts people, any, anybody can do it. It's not an art thing, really. It's a, anybody. Uh, puts people in a situation uh, where they can really experience surprise and they can innovate things because they're not doing what they usually do. Yeah. And they don't know where they're going when they go in there. Yeah, right. So you're shaking them up and you're not giving them time to get worried and nervous about it. No time. And I play loud disco music and dance music. <laughs> I do. It's like it's a party. Fun. It's also fun. Yes. And fun. I'm sure it doesn't take fun. very long for people to kind of enjoy it loosen up i immediately realize there's no critique nobody's yeah. going to see what they're doing 
what what yeah. they're you know what they're making you know if they're drawing or writing or whatever they're doing um goes into a big folder you can say oh. but nobody knows who did what and during oh. the class if you want it or the workshop yeah uh, there's, you you don't even have time to look nobody it, it just goes by too fast yeah so are you so you're sort of giving prompts or just yeah, like, I, well, I don't want to be that specific, but what I do is I make it uh, uh, fun and easy and um, go smoothly to yeah. be together. Um, like I said, it sort of feels like a party uh, in a place and yeah. um, uh, make a whole bunch of stuff very quickly and then say, Oh, what could this be? And I do a one-hour version. I've done a four-hour version. I've done a version in Iceland where I would go to this uh, uh, the the main art school in Reykjavik, which is a great school, and we would do this workshop for the first uh, week. All of the students were required to take the workshop um, oh. when they went into this four-year program. It was the first week, and then that was it. So I would go one week a year to Iceland and those kids didn't know each other because it was their first year, right? In all the departments, you know, architects and whatever, all different yeah, departments. Yeah. Um, and they would do the workshop and it was so great because it was a good way for them to get to know each other. And, but we did it over four days, but I've also done it in 40 minutes. So it varies how I do it. And it depends yeah. on, are they designers? Okay. Are they what I call civilians, whatever. And. I'm wondering what happens after that for people. Do you do you get feedback about how it changed people or what their thoughts were about it later? And you know, I'm, I'm thinking maybe even a small change could be really good. Oh, absolutely! I get mail from people that are. As, you know, what's funny is that um, I once did this um, workshop in Banff, in Canada, yeah. in Alberta. I love to say Banff. Banff, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and all these elk showed up like outside the windows and we're like looking at a herd of elk. We're like looking at us. And um, it was so much fun. But that group had no artists or designers in it. And I got such a great response from them, all these letters. But I often do that with groups that, you know, it could be nurses, it could be, you know, uh, bankers, it could be anyone. And I get a the best responses from people that never do arty stuff at all. Um, and they're actually my, the, my best scenario when I do the workshops is that people have no idea what they're getting into except, oh, this is a fun workshop called How to Make Mistakes on Purpose. Let's do it. That's great. And they don't know anything more. Right. Um, or they have no idea what it's going to be. So I sort of swear people to secrecy. I make them swear oh. omerta, the mafia code of silence uh, at the end so that I don't want people to be thinking that they have to draw or that they have to be good at art or any of that because it's not true. Um, but people might think that, but it's not the case. So I yeah. get a great response, especially from people that are not in the design or art world that are in the world of finance and anything else. Uh, they tend to get a lot of out, out of it, the most out of it. And what what sort of things would would they learn, or what? I mean, if you weren't an artist and you did this, um, what would it? What might it do uh, with your 
approach to whatever well, that, you do. Rebecca, is an excellent question. And I can answer it by saying that the same question was asked when I did the I did the workshop for you know Studio 360. Kurt Anderson was hosting this NPR show. Uh, this is quite a few years ago, but he was the um, MC at an AIGA thing. So he did the workshop and he loved the idea of it. So he invited me to do it for his staff, right? So I, the, a few days before this was gonna go on, on the radio or they were gonna do it, um, the producer called me and said, if you're not a designer, what's the point of this workshop? You know, <laughs> what's the take home? That's what, you know. And I said, well, supposing you're a radio producer. And he said, okay, I'm listening. And I said, well, one of your jobs is to ask Lori Rosenwald uh, questions about what's going to happen next week. And all the questions you've asked me are very good questions. But let's suppose for one of the questions, you pick up a random book on your desk. And you <laughs> there it is. Pick it up. And um, you, you know, you, well, I'm, not, I'm looking now. It should be random, but I'm pretending it's random. Uh, and the first words that I picked up a book on my desk that day and I said, the first two words on the top left were gold bullion. So I said, that's gonna be the question. So I said, are you raking in the big bucks doing this for corporate offsites or is this something you mostly do for art schools and stuff? But are you making a lot of money holding these workshops? Now, that might not be a great question, but it's probably one he wouldn't have asked. And that is pure gold. So yeah. that's my story about that because if you let the random in, like, I like the way, you know, this pen, I could think about, okay, what is this? It could just suggest, uh, do you consider yourself a writer or an author? You know, whatever. It doesn't mean it's a good question, but it helps you get somewhere new. And that's very yeah. important, I think. Yeah. And I can see how that would apply to a lot of anything, anything in yeah. your life. And you give a exactly. lot of examples of, I mean, I love all the, you know, suggestions and examples of things like get purposefully lost, you know, <laughs> like that would not appeal to a lot of people. No. But, um, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. The setting yourself up for something that is unexpected. Well, well the lost story, if I can uh, elaborate uh, or maybe explain away, um, it, it, I, I, I had a story called the, um, it's another Reykjavik story, actually, that is called the, the vegetarian burrito I will never forget. And <laughs> it's about how I went with a bunch of students after school in, in Reykjavik in Iceland. We went to this really weird Mexican restaurant and um, on the main shopping street and everybody ordered and I ordered, I'm not a vegetarian as you know, but I ordered a vegetarian burrito. And when it came, I'm not exaggerating. It was a plain like flour tortilla and I opened it up and inside was a block of ice with French fries in it. It was frozen <laughs> French fries in a block, unthawed. Okay. Yum. And I just, the whole table just burst out <laughs> laughing. And it was certainly vegetarian, you know, there was no question about it, but isn't that great? And I think <laughs> I'll never forget. And uh, I love that. I just yeah. love that story because if I had gone to TripAdvisor or Yelp and found what is the best restaurant in best, best Mexican or best place for burritos in Reykjavik, that probably never would have happened. Probably. Wouldn't have been on that list. <laughs> what? You, you might've gotten the best one. 
That's the problem. I would never have a story to tell. I prefer the story to the best burrito in the world. I've been dining out on that burrito since 1993 or whatever. You know, it's like a great story, I think, about how it's not a question of getting lost on purpose, but I think like, you know, the guy that got the burrs on his face, he was just walking around. Something natural happened in life. And I think that the more we use digital, we depend on digital technology, uh, we forget that it's steering us in everything we do. And it's not like you shouldn't look at screens. You know, there's some book called Stop Staring at Screen. That's bull. You know, I, I'm not going to stop. We're doing it right now, you know, and we're going to keep we doing are. it. It's not going away. I don't even want it to go away. But I think that for in a certain way, you have to allow, you know, for a, a certain amount of spontaneity and just natural chaos to happen. Um, and you have to force the situation sometimes because it's so easy. You forget that you can draw a perfect circle, but pushing a button because we've been doing it for so long, you know? Yeah. I thought that the parts in your book were really interesting about, the the effect of interacting so much with technology leading to um, perfectionism and expectation that everything is going to work out great. And um, although some of us have, you know, negative experiences with technology, but, but overall, us. you know, we're just sort of meant to, when we engage with it, we think, oh, this is, yeah, everything's figured out now. Right. And we do it so much. And I just thought that was an interesting perspective on it. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking for a page in the book because uh, I think people will relate to it, at least I hope so, because every second, okay, so, oops, can you see this? Mm -hmm. oh, am I screen sharing? This says in the top left, it says, the beauty of technology is that it makes all our lives easier and our work closer to perfection. Or does it? Yeah, and then right it's just here. a big chaos. And then, then here, this guy says, Welcome to the future. And he's got all these chords. And, you know, <laughs> every time, every six months, you have to change all the wires and, you yes. know, just nightmare. And it never ends. And it only gets worse. Oh, by the way, here's my book. Yes. So the book is, why don't you tell us the title of the book, which is being published today. Today is publication day. I got a letter from the editor and the publisher congratulating Happily, I didn't know that was a thing because I've published some books before. My favorite one is called um, All the Wrong People Have Self-Esteem. I love that. It was title. published by Bloomsbury. But anyway, I, they didn't call me then or email me. Anyway, uh, I got a nice blurb from David Sedaris. He thinks I'm funny, so maybe that's something. <laughs> anyway, right. I got to know him because I did a bunch of, uh, I illustrated some of his stuff for The New Yorker. But anyway... So he blurbed me, which was very generous. Anyway, uh, this is the book, How to Make Mistakes on Purpose, based on the workshop. And it's very colorful. It's, uh, it's very, very illustrated. And yes. it's really a fun book. And um, I think it will indeed make you laugh. Uh, that is actually, you know, I think the publisher may think of it as, you know, they're hoping it becomes a self-help, you know, bestseller. <laughs> But I don't think of it that way. I don't want to help anybody. I absolutely do not want to help anybody. I, I want to make people laugh. And I think that, you know, 
I, 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 you know, I, I used to do some comedy and, and the way that I write, for me, it's more important to entertain people than anything else. I would well, rather, it, I'm not, I'm not craving I'm going to change your life or make you rich or any of that stuff. I would say it's an absolutely entertaining book. I really liked it. Although, I, you know, you sent me an advanced copy and I would say the the challenge of wading through the little things they do so that you can't um, print it out or something. Oh dear. It was kind of, it was kind of like dealing with imperfection as I was. Oh, you know, I'm getting so sorry. I, no, no. I thought it was funny though. It's kind okay. of like, oh, this is embodied in my attempts it's to read. It's so hard to get away from. I mean, just this morning I had to fill out two forms, you know, just to, and it happens every day and they're all glitchy and. But it's fine. So I, I, I just enjoyed that it was a challenge that way because it's kind of fits in with the whole thing. Like, well, it worked and it was interesting. The book is gorgeous. It's full of pictures, you know, your own drawings, funny illustrations, um, but I do think it makes you think. It made me think. I mean, maybe you didn't, you know, maybe you're not seeking to educate or change people, but you bring up some interesting points. I was going to say. Yes, I see anyway, that. Uh, yeah, I, and this is kind of a funny part. I, I, I used all these logos. Wait, it's hard to do this right. Uh, you see the capture logo, the Instagram logo, yes. the seamless logo, uh, TikTok. Can I read a little, little thing from yes, it? Yes, it's really, it's funny. Yes, read that. Okay. TikTok, TikTok. Time is passing. Face it, we're all terminal, is the terminal logo. One third of our eye life is spent at eye work. That's 90,000 hours over the course of a lifetime. But I just can't seem to procreate anything new. I can't access my creative cloud. There must be a better ways. Yelp me. I'm so much more than a task rabbit. I'm a real player. I am not a robot. Oh, really? If I have to click that bloody recapture one more time, well, maybe <laughs> I am one. How many times have you had to prove you're not bionic by clicking on images containing, containing traffic lights? How many hours angrily unsubscribing yourself, answering robocalls, pressing one, two, or three? I would like to regi register a livid, vociferous complaint on the part of humanity, please, which will fall upon deaf ears as bots do not have any. Have we all become automatons? Hell no. I'm a writer, painter, illustrator, animator, graphic, graphic designer, product designer, portrait artist, typography, typographer, and teacher. And unfortunately for you, a former stand-up. Being human, I am lazy. It's so easy to repeat tried and true habits and get calculable results. Instagram, because computers don't make mistakes. I can promise my clients, problem solved. It's seamless. Adobe, absolutely. InDesign, indubitably. And yet I don't excel. But before I shuffle off this mortal coil, before I stuff it, I want, I know, I need to create an idea that is beautiful or useful and brand spanking new. I want to make a lasting, meaningful PowerPoint. And new ideas don't fall from the clear blue Skype. So that's <laughs> part of it. Yeah, it's great. It's full. If you're if you're just listening to this on audio, it's full of all those icons for all the different websites. That's yeah, great, exactly. I got a kick out of that for sure. So I, Lori, I know you wanted to talk about your painting. Yeah, so let's do that because um, it, it's. Am important. I sharing my screen now? Uh, not yet. You see it now? Oh, technology is working. Okay. 
There Oops. we go. So Wait, I and if, you're, if you're Oops. listening to this on audio, we're going to just sort of describe the, the scene and then, I mean, the screen. And then when you, if you go to our Facebook page, we'll put these images up as well. So Lori, why don't you tell us about this first one? Well, this actually is a painting that I repainted that I'd done of my friend Jamila, who lives in London. In the 80s, we worked together at Condé Nast when I worked at Mademoiselle Magazine. Anyway, that was a whole part of my life. Uh, I used to be a magazine person. But anyway, uh, this was Jamila, and then I painted her over a few, like about a year ago, because I don't know why, but um, it's still Jamila to me. Um, and it's oil and encaustic. I know, Rebecca, that you use cold wax. I use yeah. mostly encaustic. This is a real encaustic painting. I'm trying to switch now. Hang on. Uh, oops. Uh-oh. Hang on a minute. Now, come on. There. Oops. This is an encaustic painting. Uh, I call it Dieter because of Dieter Rams, the guy that did all the great uh, radios and TVs in the 60s and 70s. It's so fantastic. Mm. Um, this is an imaginary sort of appliance or something. <laughs> uh, but you can see how thick the paint is. And yeah. that's because of wax, because I use beeswax, melted beeswax. And sometimes I say to people, hey, you may not like my paintings, but they will last 2,000 years. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. yeah, really, it's very, like, very graphic form, kind of a simple uh, circle, circular form with a bright orange background and then these little dots, which sort of look like appliance buttons. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, I have to go back to, hang on a minute, uh, preview. Do This is the really early one that's sort of uh -huh. normal painting in a way. Uh, hang on. Uh, corona. Oops. I didn't know how to do that. Anyway, I'm going to stop showing paintings now because it's too complicated. So I'm going to stop, okay. stop sharing. Okay. But um, you get some idea, those of you who can see it. Uh, I like to use, um, one of the reasons I like to use in cost. Well, one is the main reason is that you can paint really, really, really thick and chunky and it won't crack ever, um, unlike most, you know, if you used oil paint, it would be super expensive and never dry if you want to paint real thick. But you can do super impasto with uh, encaustic on wood, but you have to paint on wood because it's stable. Um, and I've been doing that for about 20 years, painting that way. Um, and also, it's the opposite of our digital world because it'll last so long. Like if you look at the Fayum portraits that were done 200 BC, they look fresh as a daisy and they were painted in this way. So yeah. it's a great, um, what they would call sustainable medium. Yeah, and it's interesting to see it used in this very graphic contemporary way, um, really bold images. Yeah. And it, yeah, it seems sure. to me to it seems to me to relate to your interest in typeface, typography. Um, oh yeah. Just in the expressive shapes that come through in both. Yeah, I have quite a few paintings that are just letter forms. I'm yeah. in love with type and I always have been. Yeah. Yeah. 
So there's what, a definite what your... back and forth between my design, graphic design work and my painting, always. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to ask, like, what's a typical day like? Do you get to paint very much? No, not lately, because I've been doing stuff to promote the book, and that's the honest yeah. truth. So for the last couple of months, I have a new studio in uh, Jersey City, and I haven't even been there. Uh, oh. I did participate in a show called um, uh, Spring Break, which was like a real art fair. I'm looking for something here, but I can't find it. Uh, anyway, um, you know, it, it really varies. You know, there are even things in my book that... Uh, you know, I, I did this collage painting, you know, maybe 15 years ago, I started working on this book. Um, and I saved that digital, like I, I, what I'm trying to say, here's, here's a book, that, here's um, a spread that I did the workshop for Ikea, or as we say, Ikea. Uh, and that's a, the Prince of Sweden, Carl Philip, who took the workshop and I didn't know he was a prince when he took the workshop at RISD. But anyway, um, there's not really typical day, but there is, um, like I go through periods where I'm painting every day for two or three months. And then another month or two when I don't paint at all and I'm mostly writing. And when I write, I go hang out at this library called the New York Society Library. And I go to the top floor, they have a writer's room because it's it's funny, it's called the Hornblower Room, but it's the quietest place in New York. And I go nuts if I, if I work here 24 seven, it's not healthy. So I like to wake up and go out. So I go to the library and I write, write, write. Or I go to my studio in New Jersey and paint, paint, paint. But I usually go through periods where, you know, I'm either doing one or the other for a few weeks or months and, you know, ignore the other thing and back. Yeah. And so I mix yeah. it up. Yeah. In, in your work, Lori, it seems like there's, there's a lot of joy in the, the imperfections. I think it gives your work a uniquely human quality. Well, I'm a depressive. <laughs> okay. It's normal. Most yeah. people I know are. That, that jagged edge has a lot more, more interest to it than a smooth edge though. Yeah, I think I think what makes um, I mean, you can even see it in the cover of the book. If you look closely, you'll see. Can you see that they're perfect, but they're not perfect. So these are this is right. a, yeah. a, a, I, I cut yeah. it out of paper and then I scanned it in and then but then some of it is also perfect, like the type on top is perfect, you know, and the thing that says Lori Rosenwald, of course is normal type but i think what is nice is that you have a mix like in this this is a cover of my children's book um which came out quite a few years ago but and to name but just a few red yellow green blue and um so it's a mix of collage and things that are very messy and hand done and perfect shapes and perfect type um i like the uh the, the, the contrast of something that is perfect and graphic and done on the computer with something that is uh, organic and messy and out of control. I think if you have one or the other, it's boring. If you have just perfect, meh. If you have just bleh, it's also boring. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, the mix of the two creates contrast. Yeah, definitely that. That back and forth. <laughs> exactly. And then, you know, and it's it's kind of 
our world as we were talking about all the computer stuff and we do have to be exact sometimes we do have to be precise other times we do not and it's good yeah to have that mixture it's interesting yeah you need both for to have uh, uh, something happen you know it, it just yeah uh, it, it it's almost like a personality thing it's not just about um design or art or any of that it's 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 a way of thinking and that's what the workshop is really about is a way to bring in the random to i think our, a lot of our lives are very closely you know focused and constricted and controlled in so many ways more and more and more i mean i could go off on a rant now a political thing or whatever but i think you know what i mean um in so many ways, we have to be so careful, and it's just such a relief and so much fun to just go, oh, the hell with it, you know? Yeah. At least somewhat, and and bring in the the chaotic. You know, when when he went walking in the woods, he was in the woods. The guy with the velcro. It was a natural world, and I think that we're not experiencing. For instance, Fleming when he discovered penicillin it was dirty dishes. He went on vacation. This is the truth. The guy went on vacation for like a few weeks and left Petri dishes in the sink in the lab and didn't wash them. And when he came back, the mold was resisting this other mold or whatever. And he found out about penicillin. That's exactly what happened. And mm. how often does that kind of event occur in big pharma, say? where I think they know so well what they're doing and they know where they're going. I can't imagine that kind of thing would happen today. Yeah. Hmm. So, uh, Lori, we're getting to the end of our time. Um, I know you had some events, uh, an event at least, that you wanted to talk about. Yeah, so yeah. I have a few um, workshops coming up. One of them that I want to tell people that might be in the New York area. Do you have the... Um, link for it or do i have to do something oh we lost her we lost Lori. yeah i could i can throw her ticker up but <laughs> hopefully she'll join us again here yes okay so um and uh do you have the the link for the event that she put up there the society of illustrators so uh we, we do have a, a workshop coming up with Lori um called how to make mistakes on purpose which she was talking about earlier and this uh this workshop is going to be on december 2nd um at 6 30 p.m it runs until eight o'clock and uh, you can get tickets for that event at societyillustratorsorg slash event slash make mistakes and we'll have a, a link for that available in the show notes page for this episode yeah, and I'm sorry we have lost Lori. Oh, she oh she's back. She's back. <laughs> You're back. I, I pressed a button. I was looking for the link to the Society of <laughs> Illustrators thing. I, I, I just did a plug for you. But... Yeah, Ralph yeah. just did a great yeah, but... <laughs> promo for it. So thank you. Yeah, it's really fun. It's the it's I, I mean I'm doing a mini workshop workshop on the day after, right? This is the second, the one on the Society of Illustrators, right? December second, and then December third. Uh, there's an open house at Poster House in New York, um, uh, and I'm doing a mini version. Uh, but the real, the big kahuna, whatever you call it, the whole enchilada, the whole burrito is on the second. <laughs> 
The vegetarian burrito. Exactly. Yeah. It's a vegetarian burrito you will never forget. <laughs> it's really it's really a fun event. And they have a bar and it's an old beautiful building. And if you haven't been there, it's a real treat. Anyway, oh, so there's like a fun. link somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, and um we're going to put links for Lori's book. Um new book, pub date today. Just, just published today, How to Make Mistakes on Purpose. And the subtitle is uh um, bring chaos to your order, and it's it's a really fun book and yes. um, highly recommended. So thank you, Lori, for joining It'll change us. your life and make you rich. No, it won't. <laughs> it'll, make it, it'll make it more fun. That's that's all I can say is I really think that it'll make you laugh and and you'll uh, be. Uh, it, it's a it's makes a great gift. It does. That's a good point. <laughs> I can't believe I said that. It's the only book you'll ever need. Yes. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks a lot, Lori. Thanks Thank for joining you, us. Right, thanks, Ross. All right. Thanks, Lori. That just about wraps up this episode of The Messy Studio. For more from The Messy Studio, please check out www.messystudiopodcast.com and sign up for the email list. You can also find The Messy Studio on Facebook, as well as public profiles for both Rebecca Kroll and myself, Ross Tickner. For more from Rebecca Kroll, please check out www.rebeccacroll.com and Cold Wax Academy at www.coldwaxacademy.com and sign up for the email lists to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. The Messy Studio Podcast is a core publication management production. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week with more art and entertainment. In the meantime, embrace your creative space, messy or otherwise. Thanks, everybody.